Hey y'all, welcome to Big Facts No Cap, the only show that's number one with climate shamers and lion tamers. You're here as always with the Big Fact fellas. Let's get into it. Big Facts No Cap Big Facts No Cap No Cap Big Facts No Cap Big Facts No Cap No Cap All right, let's let's go ahead and scrap everything we did and start this episode with you singing a random song. I like what we've done so far, and I have no songs to sing. <laughs> like a bird in a cage, I have no songs left to sing. There's no songs in Adrian's heart today. Uh, I do have some for Media Roundup, but uh, I'll bring that in later. Also, I don't speak German, so I don't know how to sing the song. What song? Oh, we're going to go straight into it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What song? Uh, okay, my Media Roundup this week, real quick, just two simple things. Uh, the song 20 Kilometers Per Hour by uh, We Butter the Bread with Butter. Real nostalgic throwback to like late 2000s uh, electro deathcore. And then I wanted to shout out Steve M's new video because, as you know, uh, I am the biggest Steve M listener and supporter on this uh, podcast. So I've actually watched his newest video all the way through and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. It's about the studio that's behind uh, Elfin Lead, which is like notorious for like kind of early internet days as being like the most edgy anime people could find um it's just an interesting history about how they started out in hentai and then moved on to doing other stuff and then eventually dissolved during the pandemic that sounds like an awesome watch and adrian's given me a little bit of a hard time there because i love steve m and he got to the video first not all of us have an hour to to put into a video as soon as it comes out adrian i was still multiple days past its uh premiere date is when i watched it I'll get to it soon. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just the bigger Steve M fan, I guess. Is, you know, Steve, come up, come back on pod so we can hang out again. And I'll make sure, like, Paul's busy that day. God damn it. Anyway, I don't get why you're being up. mean. You know I like Steve M. Like, why are you ruining <laughs> this for me, Adrian? Like, <laughs> why are you being so mean? I mean, yes. Was Paul's name at the end of the video amongst, like, four other names? Yes. <laughs> but who watched it? <laughs> All right, so today for my media roundup, instead of any media, I just have, uh, I guess the oh, wait, me- is this today you're just going to round up different mediums of art that you can do? Play. <laughs> <laughs> Stop motion. Dance. <laughs> um, no, so, uh, well, Reddit comments are kind of a medium of art. And mm. I was reading a Reddit comment, and it was like one of those things that was like, casually making a joke like about something painful had happened in the gif that the comment section was about and it's like well not still not as painful as when you step on a lego Hmm. and so i just like quickly wrote down a list of my least favorite reddit tropes uh wait can we do this an actual segment because i love not only the auditory part of it which everyone's going to be able to enjoy but the visual part of it which is paul with a phone in one hand and a bottle of tequila in the other <laughs> hand reading his gripes of uh, reddit comments you need to stop telling the audience what i'm doing <laughs> stupid things oh <laughs> uh, so stepping on a lego doesn't can really i try hurt. and guess any can i try and guess any um yeah first let me uh, go ahead and mention that mine might be a little outdated because i haven't been like a regular reddit user in years and years so Mine might be more like a twenty, a twenty ten to twenty twelve sort of like Reddit. Uh, was that before this as a comment? 
Um, that didn't make my list, but no, I don't think so. I mean, I, I'm not going to be able to remember that, but I do know that cliche. Yeah, that one sucks. Is, uh, is there? Is, do you have one about the uh, thanking people for giving them gold? <laughs> oh, uh, no, I didn't include that cliche. That's a good mm, one. Okay, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Last one is, uh, is it that uh, one dude on Reddit who tells really long-winded stories that always end up with his dad beating him with jumper cables? <laughs> no, I have, I've actually never seen or heard about that. Oh, that's really it, legitimately a very funny dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's worth so, checking out. So all of yours, I agree with. Uh, my list is by no means complete. Reddit has a multitude of ways. It's got a lot be, of annoying people. Yeah. Yeah. To be annoying and unoriginal. But this is just annoying and unoriginal stuff I've noticed or remembered in like the mm. 20 minutes I wrote down this list. Yeah. Stepping on a Lego. Hurts way less than stubbing your toe. I I don't, like, if you're going to complain mm. about that incessantly, you might as well complain about stubbing your toe. It hurts. Get over it. Um, the whole obsession with, like, the pro tip about don't skimp on toilet paper. Like, are your assholes made out of sandpaper? Just fold it twice. It's not that big a deal. It's not the biggest life tip you could give someone is, hey, never skimp on toilet paper. In kind of that same vein... What is up with the whole, like, you spend eight hours a day on a mattress, that should be your most expensive purchase? It's like or I was just about to bring that up. I'm glad I gave you the space. You it's can, like, people always say the mattress and your shoes. It's always like, you spend all day walking, you spend eight hours a day sleeping. Yeah, or get a shitty mattress and put on a inexpensive, like, a mattress topper from Target, like, and save like yourself some this money. This is, like, vaguely leading into Paul being like, you spend eight hours a day sleeping, then just kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you save money. <laughs> <laughs> um oh uh toilet paper hanging like the direction it hangs what the oh, fuck yeah. why do you care about that get a, like what do you get how much free time do you have in your day to care mm -hmm. daily carry people what the fuck is going on with these people what daily people? carry they, they they it's a subreddit for about the things that you carry around with you every day but it's all just people like fetishizing carrying around a knife oh that's weird i was gonna yeah. say keys wallet phone and my um, phone and my wallet are the same thing. Yeah, no. Uh, and they always make it seem like their like knife always comes in handy. And it's like, no, your coworkers just think you're a weirdo for using your personal life. For using your personal life to open boxes instead of the box cutter that they provide. Mm -hmm. um, then in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, if that's your favorite mm -hmm. book, you're a dumb person. I've never yeah. read it. I don't know much about it, but I know every person who likes that book has i've ever met has been dumb so i've i've done the correlation i've done the i study. agree yeah that makes sense i think i've met more people whose favorite book is the hungry caterpillar who are smarter than people <laughs> whose favorite book is zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance um oh if you think political compass memes or oh god poland ball memes are funny you think you're smart and you're not and are honestly just a horrible type of person and i don't even care to explain that position Paul, you heated? Do you want to calm down? Do you want to steam off a little bit? I think I need to. <laughs> I'm going to say, you looked like... <laughs> your eyes were shifting, like, who's my next target? <laughs> I go after next. This uh, is, uh... This, this is... Like, I just... I, you know, I, I so rarely... Because in this podcast, I hold back from political rants because I know that's not funny. It's just like, I, I needed... I needed to let out some steam, Adrian. I needed to let... I needed to give Venomous Paul his moment to shine. Gotcha. Well, it's a good thing this uh, this episode isn't political at all, so. Yep. So, climate change. <laughs> climate shamers. Climate shamers. 
eco shamers. I don't know what the word would be. Yeah. And it's it's not the deepest topic in the world, right? Because it's like the or not that it's not a deep topic, but like the very common easy to like maintain your sort of like progressive credentials come back to any sort of climate shaming is hey mm-hmm. it's a systematic issue you can't mm-hmm. care about what i do as an individual that's what i do whenever people accuse me of being racist <laughs> which is very often i would imagine <laughs> yeah yeah all the time um all right going back to climate shaming yeah have you um, ever been climate shamed yes what did you do there was one time where after a social event, which I had hosted, I threw away pizza boxes into the paper recycling, which if anyone knows anything about recycling, because of the grease, they cannot be recycled. And so I got a look of like a, it was not, it was nonverbal, which is the worst part. There's nothing said about it. Uh, the person just looked at what I did and went, huh, okay. And then walked out. <laughs> That's awesome. Um. Also, because it's, like, a very clear, like, you were trying to do the right thing. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Did you have to Google it afterwards and go, like, Google, is it not okay to recycle pizza boxes? And that's when you learned? Yes. Maybe no. I can't remember if I was just being lazy because there was other stuff that was recyclable with it and I just threw it all in. Or whether or not I didn't know at that point. There might have been more laziness in it that was legitimately critiqued. But also, recycling's a scam. We already talked about that. And a personal conversation. It's not It's not a scam, but yeah, right. Like we said, the whole, like, it's pretty easy for progressives to divert it. Was, it's systematic. You can't, like, if you, if you make your whole thing about recycling, you're not ever going to fix the issue. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it certainly does help, though. But should the private citizen be in charge of recycling? Should they be the ones that are taxed? I have no idea. You think it'd be easier to just sift through all the trash? Or, like, that would make more sense? Dude, go back to the milkman system. If if you buy a bottle of Coke, Coke comes back and picks it up and recycles it. It's their problem. They made it. In a in a gas-guzzling truck? They come no, back? No, no. Walking. Like the milkman. Oh, okay. Okay. This is a great make-work program. Should we just get the entire army that already has all these people doing green nothing new on deal. army b- bases? Yeah. That's there my Green go. New Deal. You see, it's so easy. God damn, these problems aren't hard. People just don't want to solve them like me and you. That's a real leftist talking point, isn't it? <laughs> what if? That like Democrats just really like to complicate things and make them seem like they're way harder than they actually are to solve. And it's like, oh, people are dying because they don't have healthcare. Let's just give them healthcare. <laughs> why, why is it the solution is like this really convoluted idea that you guys have? That is because true. Because you guys I mean, are well, smarter than everybody else. Yeah, that is true. I was saying it as a joke, but you are right. Like Democrats definitely do do that. The whole like tax credit system of solutions for every problem the problem is what if somebody who doesn't deserve to benefit does we have to micro target demographics to make sure that not a dime of free college goes to someone who potentially had rich parents precisely paul let's not get too in the weeds tell me a story when you've been climate shamed um i'm I'm actually the smuggest asshole of all my friends so i don't get climate shamed very often really you never like a pick a burger over a veggie burger or uh have you ever gotten have you ever gotten climate shamed in the other way you can get climate shamed, which is when I read a BBC article about how women don't run as hot as men and that historically corporations set their air temperatures at what's comfortable for men and not women and how it's workplace sexism to have your AC set too low? I've 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 read that article and I vehemently disagree, not because I'm somebody who likes it cooler, but because mm-hmm. 
Objectively. All like seeing them perky nips. (laughs) Objectively, you can always add more layers. You can't go down a layer. So why would you make me too hot when there's nothing I can do about that? When you Mm -hmm. could make somebody else cool and they could just put on a light jacket. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Can you take out the part about perky nips that I said? No, that was funny. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. So you know, I do like that with <laughs> dirty little dog. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. So, anyways, back to your climate shaming story. I'm not gonna lie; I had that one locked and loaded, but I can probably think of more. I probably have been. You My know only thing is. is just generally being shamed for like not recycling everything that I could. Um, I think for some reason I thought you weren't supposed to recycle green gra- glass. And I got called out for throwing that away by my roommate. I was like, let me Google mm-hmm. it. I'll tell you you're not supposed to. And then it was like, oh, yeah, you should put it in. So I don't know. Yeah, I've never heard that before. Um, I know that from working at Trader Joe's, it was a huge thing where, like, people got super defensive about, like, having to use bags. And they were like, oh, I just forgot my, like, reusable bags. Or they're in my car, but I don't feel like going to get them. And you'd be like, I don't care, dude. I Like, I'm just going to – I'm going to bag my, – my job is to grab – it's to bag your groceries, not to judge you. <laughs> Uh, you can do whatever you want. But you weren't judging them, right? That's just what you said to get them to shut up and leave those dirty paper bag users? No, because I do that because they make good recycling bags, ironically. That's actually exactly what I do. Is that something you yeah. learned from my place to use the uh, Trader Joe's bags? As recycling yeah, Paul, bags? everything we do in common is something that I've learned from you. <laughs> oh, that's so cool to hear you say that. I wouldn't have yeah. expected you to admit it. Because you Remember that time when so I saw small. you wipe your ass that one time and I was like, oh, I should start doing that. <laughs> Dude, you smell so much better since then. So honestly, I'm glad. <laughs> Remember that time when I saw you use a fork and I was like, oh, I don't have to eat with my hands like a savage. I'm so glad Paul taught me this thing that Bruh, everyone that's... does. Is there a funny third example that I could do? <laughs> Uh, yeah, what are the common things? Shame people for recycling. I know composting is another thing of, I didn't know what didn't, didn't go into a compost bin. Uh, so I got, uh, made fun of for that once. Um, using recyclable bags or using reusable bags. Um, straws were a big thing for a hot minute. And I'm glad that got caught out for being not absurd, but like, yeah, actually, I don't know. I like metal straws. I'm glad that they're popular now, but like, I don't know. Now that we have like the bamboo and paper straws, it seems like it's less an issue. I think I agree. I I mean, metal sl- straws are fine, but you have to remember to bring them, and I definitely don't ever bring one anywhere. And I, I don't know, paper and bamboo straws are kind of shit. Like, they make your I mean, drink taste bad. I've uh, said this before. Watch that NPR video about recycling and how messed up the process is because people don't do it right. And they took out recycling from the three R's. It was reduce, reuse, refuse, which is the easiest thing to do. Refuse that straw. I would also say that, yeah, I, I think refusing actually makes the most sense in that case, because that would be my solution. I, I don't like bamboo or paper straws, but I'm also not that committed to straws in general. I think the sippy cup solution or the no lid solution. Like the twirly boy. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 no, like the thing Starbucks has gone to where it's just like an opening you can drink oh, through. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or just like not having a top is perfectly workable. I've never been that committed to straws as a concept oh. anyway. You know what? This is a story that I've never been able to tell because it's not really a story. But um, I remember just like going to the coffee shop I used to go to every day during the early pandemic days when I lived in Sacramento. And I had to remember how I order my drink, which is a cold brew, black, to go, no room, no lid, no straw. I had to remember all of those things just to order a black coffee in a cup because I wanted to make sure they didn't do the thing where they were giving me unnecessary stuff as well. 
Um, and uh, yeah, it's so funny that like it takes so much effort to just refuse the things that like we should. Yeah. It should probably be on them just to not give it to you and that you should have to ask for it. But I've noticed some local places now you have to ask for plastic utensils. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a whole thing of like psychology of like for uh, organ donors, like having opt in systems versus opt out systems. Uh, it makes a huge difference in like the way that people like think about these things. So, mm. um, okay. So, uh, Paul, any last uh, climate shamers? Uh, climate change is obviously real. That's the big facts, no cap uh, stance. But uh, sometimes people can be a little bit. Uh, people seem to really choose their battles when it comes to climate change. Yeah, I think it's really scary, and it's too big a problem for any one person to tackle. So if yeah. you just, like, really care about the specifics about what type of, like, boxes can be recycled and what type of plastics can and can't be, and, like, the distinction about, like, Pringles cans, you gotta throw away. Those can't be recycled. Mm-hmm. But the tops, you can recycle. Mm-hmm. Like, knowing those facts, I think it just, uh, it gives it gives people a little bit of uh, control over it in a way that they don't just have to become a doomer. So... I think if yeah. you meet a climate chamber, know it's coming from a place of fear, roll your eyes, uh, make the point about how it should be a systematic change about not companies shouldn't be able to sell us so many disposable plastics mm-hmm. rather than the impetus being on us to somehow try to put them in the right baskets for them to be reused in a very inefficient system that doesn't ever effectively reuse them anyway. Each citizen should get their own side degree in recycling and sustainability <laughs> uh and putting all of that impetus on the consumer yeah. it, it's just it's never gonna work if, if you're completely allowed to buy as much plastic products as you want and there's no limitation on what they can package in one in single-use plastics and then on top of that recycling is only gonna be something taken up by by private companies that are for profit with like maybe a little bit of like government subsidies and help like that's just not a system that's going to change anything it's so obvious it's blatantly ridiculous that would be the thing that's going to get us out of climate change but i think like i said it makes some people feel like they have control over this uh scary situation we're in yeah and i I was saying like people choose their battles because it is different right it's not all recycling and stuff like the thing we didn't get into is like people who like talk about eating beef Mm. Uh, or things like that or uh air travel or um having a car versus trying to bike everywhere or whether or not you like drive like a place that's a mile away and people will like shame you for that or um i will in a say lot of different forms i'm much more sympathetic to the meat eating argument there's uh mm-hmm. there's much more of a like i mean there's there's a legitimate like market force that if less people were eating meat they might stop farming as much meat and that might actually have a legitimate impact on pollution wait how is that not different than single-use plastics though in terms of like demand can shape how people or how uh companies decide to produce at different levels how are those fundamentally different i think it's different just because of the level of impact and the replace like what, when the you fungibility? Give, yeah, the fungibility of what is there to replace it. I think single-use plastics are are so convenient that it would be hard to make an argument that the person who's not making the right choice will objectively have an easier time. It's not much harder to use mm-hmm. the other things, but like people will 
pick up the like better cheaper product if it's if it's a pricing between the like expensive bamboo paper and like just something wrapped in plastic you know what i mean yeah um if the bamboo thing costs ten dollars uh because it's wrapped in some special like paper instead of a plastic and if the plastic product is two dollars people are going to pick up the two dollar product you're not making a change i think with the meat issue there's like i mean tons of like right you can just look to india for how like completely like nutritionally satisfied you can be on a completely vegetarian diet or Mm -hmm. it's just like you don't have to spend a lot of money it's not like you're really giving anything up fundamentally other than like the mental attachment to like i like burgers or whatever which is very patriotic um obviously this is uh coming with the entire uh context of paul and i are both uh first world peeps or uh global north peeps uh living in you know the richest country in the world so obviously our perspective on this is uh limited to people making fun of you for not recycling in the right bin or whatever and uh all that jazz yeah i mean that's why we're doing a plus it's funnier to do an episode on climate shaming than an episode on climate change <laughs> hey boy, on uh environmental racism <laughs> <laughs> all right paul do you want to go first or second i think i like your article more this time so i will graciously give you the floor adrian all right so we're gonna go back to one of our early favorites uh mrs dear kiki from the little village iowa city cedar rapids news culture and events and this article uh the title goes a little bit something like this dear kiki is it wrong to fanboy for come and go And for our non-Midwestern audience, I do want to just make it explicit that, or for our international audience, uh, Come and Go is a very popular uh, gas station chain in the Midwest. Started by a middle school boy? (laughs) Obviously. Come is spelled K-U-M. So Mm. Mm. it's closer to the sexual one than it is to the (laughs) C-O-M-E one. (laughs) I don't know what that's about. All right. So, Paul, do you want to hear this question? Um, Dear Kiki, my boyfriend bought me a Come In Gay Rights t-shirt, and I called him a, quote, Republican donor who supports big oil. He tried to explain to me that $10 from every purchase goes to the Trevor Project, and that the entire thing was set up by at Justin Nick, our favorite LGBTQIA plus gamer. I told him, you're being played and that this was nothing more than a publicity stunt for a gas station to sell their lame t-shirts that don't even mesh with their actual logo with a design that supports gay rights. He said, You're mad I didn't get you the tank top, aren't you? I said yes. He knows me so well. Kiki, am I actually in love with a Republican donor who supports big oil? From Common Gamer 69 So this is an awesome question. I've got a few things off top, if I can say that. Yeah, please do. Okay, uh, one, I just wanted to make sure that people knew that we're doing, I'm sorry we didn't do a Pride-based episode or a Pride article in June, but for us, it's just because Pride Month is every month, so even though it's July, we're bringing in this Pride article. Mm. Um, also, speak, brother. I wanted to say that even from this very short question, I can tell that Common Gamer 69 has a very cute relationship with his boyfriend, and I really like them. I'm really rooting for them. And then the other thing I wanted to say... Well, actually, no. Actually, the last thing I wanted to say we'll probably get into later, but the whole commodification of um, of the LGBT rights movement, uh, it's always a little gross, always a little annoying. Yeah, but 
I, I like I like what you were saying about how obviously they have a very cute relationship, which I concur with. It's an adorable relationship. But also how funny would it be that if we were just reading into the playfulness of it and they were actually horribly like in a bitter dispute about this. <laughs> <laughs> like we were interpreting it with like a playfulness <laughs> that wasn't actually existed in the argument. She was like, you goddamn Republican donor who sports big oil. <laughs> Also, I don't. You're you're looking at the article, right? So you can see the T-shirts and the tweet. Yeah, not not a great T-shirt. And yeah, not a good T-shirt. I would not know that it's from a gas station, which kind of makes me like it more because the cum K U M and gay rights is kind of is kind of you know I'm okay with that. That seems like the kind of shirt that I would wear. How do you feel about hashtag welcome W E L K U M? I feel like I don't know if this is one of those things where it's like a Midwestern brand that was made 70 years ago and they thought this was cute. And then later it became like a big word for like what it means now. And now they're just leaning into it in like the new age. But um, I guess that's the right move. I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like it's, it harkens more to like that weird rapper thing where they start deciding to spell a certain thing wrong. Mm. It, it feels like a, a, a like a Bracken thing or like like the commitment to not using SC and like hashtag welcome seems like an odd commitment to never using the real <laughs> version of call C O M E yeah. <laughs> yeah to never using C O M E or like a uh, Tupac using Z's for S's. It's just like uh, sure. <laughs> we commend you on your <laughs> achievements. That's their uh graduation day uh tweet to uh come get a Slurpee for your graduation. Somebody tweets at them like Jesus Christ come and go. I found a dead rat in the in the like hot dog roller and they're like, We take all our cum playing seriously. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Sorry, we got off uh we got off oh, track. Yeah. Um, so wait, what's the question? What's the thing? Um Yeah, is sh- should she be upset at her boyfriend? I think it's kind wait, of Paul, I think you're or it should he clearly be upset. two dudes, yeah. yeah. Should he be upset at his boyfriend? <laughs> Oh my god, the heteronormativity, I'm sorry. <laughs> god damn, Paul. Also, they're quite young, because, well, not young. They might just be more hip than I am, because I have no idea who Justin Nick is. <laughs> if, like, in the same way that I mentioned Corbin Blue, if some little kid that I met was like, you don't know about Justin Nick? He's the best Twitch streamer there is! <laughs> also, a lost opportunity to not, to call him your favorite LGBTQIA plus gamer instead of your G-A-Y. G-A-Y, yeah. yeah. The old Jonathan Pruitt. Um, Paul, is this person in love with a Republican donor who supports big oil? Almost certainly. Case closed. It's 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 a man who is gay and pretends to be a young hip gay man, but is actually an old school Republican big oil loving gay man. Yeah, how do you feel about a uh a, a big uh fossil fuel company supporting gay rights? Uh that's that seems like progress, right, Paul? I don't know. It's a it's a gas station. Is it like Exxon where they're also the one doing the drilling or are they just like providing it at the end? In which case, maybe they're not like as evil as a lot of companies. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. So I don't know. Are they are they like an oil refinery company or are they just like a gas station? Do you think that there's way more professional and better than Exxon? And that's why there's never been a come and go spill. (laughs) At the uh, <laughs> the Gulf Coast, <laughs> exactly. Scientists <laughs> are saying that the dolphin population will not recover for decades to come. Come and go has not commented. 
<laughs> the Dawn commercials where they're taking the little ducks that are covered in the come and go. <laughs> Remember those super cynical Exxon commercials where they were making like the Dawn commercials basically? Mm-hmm. It was like Exxon and it was like a bunch of happy animals that they're like, we're committed to cleaning that up our mess. That was BP, mess. right? Or was it BP? Yeah, because South Park did the whole thing where he's like rubbing his nipples being like, we're sorry. <laughs> what happened again? <laughs> um... Really quick, you know how those Duracell commercials and, like, the Dawn commercials also rely on this, like, in real crises, this is what the product that people use? Paul, is there anything that you use in your day job where you're, like, you know, if you're you're really into, like, the thing that I do, this is the brand you would use? It's a weird question, but I just something I thought of. No, I honestly don't have that. Mine is Gorilla Tape. Don't buy duct tape. Duct tape fucking sucks. Get Gorilla Tape. Comes off clean. Hold strong. Gorilla Tape. Sponsor me. Gorilla tape. The only tape to hold together your podcast. The only tape that'll hold <laughs> together a true. bit that doesn't really make sense. Thanks, Gorilla Tape. What it what what is their fear you know how Duracell sometimes has fear mongering commercials where like the mom's about to lose her The chunk? lights are out or yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it yeah, like, that was two very different stakes that we just put up there, but I like what <laughs> you went with. Uh what what's what's Gorilla Tape's fear mongering commercial where like those situations about to get out of hand and duct tape would have like killed you? I mean, I use it to hold in bees in various containers, uh, so I guess that could be used if you wanted to use that for a commercial. Uh, Gorilla tape hit me up. Oh, they would have to. They would have to have like. Uh, they would have to set the scene with. I'm allergic to bees. It would be horrible if I got bit. I would be close to death or stung. <laughs> there are bees that bite, but yes, oh, okay. the stinging is the issue. Stingless bees bite. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, should she we have be- not answered the question yet? I, I I think should he? I'm uh, sh- <laughs> Jesus. God damn it, Paul. <laughs> should he? Uh, I think the very obvious answer is this seems like a good bit of fun. But yeah, obviously, you and your boyfriend, your boyfriend uh, got you something. He's he, you're coming at it with the right attitude, as is evidenced by the humor you included in your question. So I think you're on the right track. It's cute. It's fine. Uh, enjoy enjoy your shirt. Yeah, it just seems like a cute relationship. I actually, so you're right. In terms of them asking this to an advice column, I don't really get the play here because it really seems like it's just like cute banter. Uh, this just seems too adorable. <laughs> yeah, I to think like they probably conflict. just generally want to hear Kiki's opinion on corporate pride and specifically like yeah, that's a good point, yeah. company pride. So pride, cool from when it was a riot till around 2012 when Paul went to one. <laughs> <laughs> um okay here's the answer from kiki dear coming gamer 69 repeat after me there is no ethical consumption under capitalism once more there is no ethical consumption under capitalism is that a cop-out only if you let it be it certainly lends itself to a ah fuck it attitude but it's also a call to be gentle with yourself and others and that living in this world is hard as fuck man and to examine our transactions through more than one lens. If we want to live wisely, we have to develop a hierarchy of our own values. Take a lesson from Dugray Scott's Prince in the 1998 classic Drew Barrymore flick, Ever After. Don't question me, readers. Who used to think that if I cared about anything, I would have to care about everything, and I'll go start raving mad. He learns that we make choices in life, and that while, we, and that while what we choose defines us, what we let go doesn't have to. Know what your deal breakers are, and go gentle on everything else. There are Republicans in this world, many individuals and businesses give them money. 
If this is truly a deal breaker for you, then download an app like Goods Unitas. Encourage your boyfriend to get it too, and get ready to change a lot more of your habits than simply what shirts you wear. Have you ever looked into where you buy your groceries, for example? But if your passions are tempered by the nuance of other concerns, you'll need to weigh the balance of things like 1. Supporting an organization you value, 2. Creating a business opportunity for a celebrity you admire, and 3. Come and go's other policies on things like employee benefits and more. Come and Gamer 69. There is no ethical consumption under capitalism, but I believe there can be ethical compromise under capitalism, and it's the same as the compromise we have to make to share our lives with another person. Know your deal breakers, and give everything else weight based on your hierarchy of values. Would it be a deal breaker for you if your boyfriend actually was a Republican donor who supports big oil? Would it matter more to you that than whether he calls his mother regularly or sells drugs to children or dances nude outside every fourth of every fourth Wednesday at midnight? Only you can decide that. A close look at our hierarchy of values is crucial to every relationship, both business and personal. Of course, choosing to promote a business is a bigger decision than choosing to patronize them. You can always make the compromise of only wearing the shirt at home, so you're not out to the world hyping them up. But ultimately, the reasons your boyfriend gave you for choosing to buy the shirt for you show that he is thinking ethically, even if he is coming to a different conclusion than you would. In my hierarchy of values, the ability and willingness to do that is paramount. XOXO, Kiki. Kiki gets a lot more radical when she's not talking about dogs looking pussies. (laughs) Are people going to know that episode? I I feel like most people barely listen to our show, and when they do, they're skipping half the shit. Famous episode. Famous episode of the show. Famous episode that coined the term Big Fact Freaks because the only comment I got back was, you guys seemed a little bit weird about bestiality. (laughs) Yeah, we were too judgmental about Kiki's uncle being into having sex with animals. Um, Yeah, that's cool. Kiki's more based than I thought, I guess. I mean, she has a very middle-of-the-road answer, I guess. I was gonna say, she just kind of analyzed it up and down and had, yeah, like I would say, nothing I could take issue with, which I guess I'm kind of a weirdly left person in a lot of ways, so if I can't take issue with it, it's probably a weirdly left answer. Um, Yeah. But cool answer. I'm a fan. Cool answer, and I think maybe uh, she gave it more thought and seriousness than I think it warranted. It seemed like the... um, this person wasn't that serious about the question, but she did a great job answering it nonetheless. Right, but she she knows why they wrote into her, which is probably that yeah. they were giving her space to like she. It seems like maybe this was this column is her excuse to have space to talk about what interests her. So um, also, I think um, the advice about where to wear it and promoting versus patronizing is a good one. I think that's a actually a legitimately good point that she makes. Very cool. I'm down with yep. that. All right, well, Paul can dig it. I'm sure you all can, too. Okay, Adrian, for my column, I'm bringing in famed antagonist to Tamara Marinera, <laughs> Liza Featherstone of the Liza Nation. Liza Featherstone, you show your face around here again. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I'm bringing in Liza Featherstone of the Nation. Kind of a leftist uh, publication that seems popular among academic types as proven by the fact that both these questions <laughs> are about being a professor on this column she wrote. So the first question I'll uh, give you a taste for it is, I'm, in, I'm infatuated with another professor. Can I ask her out without being a jerk? And the question we're actually going to read for today's column is about a professor and his wife trying to make arrangements for ethically utilizing air travel in our climate change world damn i i've only ever read liza's stuff from jacobin but just seeing her more from liza thing is like god damn she got bangers andrew yang doesn't know what he's talking about 
Natalie Wynn wants to redistribute the goddamn champagne. The socialist versus Andrew Cuomo. She got hits. <laughs> no cap. Wait, do you want to go ahead and tell me whether we keep that or cut it since I'm going to be editing this part? Or do you need to hear it? No, cut all that. Okay. Cut everything up until this point and start the podcast here. <laughs> Dear Liza, I am a professor who travels to international conferences once or twice a year. Hashtag humble brag. One of my research concerns is climate change. Long-haul flights add significantly to one's carbon footprint. I know a few academics who have given up otherwise useful conferences to reduce their carbon footprint. Is foregoing such flying a duty? On a more personal level, my wife, who is not a professor, has seen far less of the world than I have. She is about to retire and is looking forward to traveling more. From an impartial point of view, such recreational trips seem even less justifiable than traveling to climate change conferences. Yet, I feel like a Grinch when invoking this concern, given that I've enjoyed the privileges of seeing the world. My provisional answer has been to note that the problem of reducing carbon emissions is a collective one that requires a collective solution, but this strikes me as letting oneself off the hook too easily. Shouldn't we each try to prefigure the personal conduct we would engage in if the world was better than it is? Without significant changes in individual behavior and attitude, how will we ever generate support for the needed collective action? Signed, Climate Hypocrite. Who boy. Who boy. Now that's a spicy meatball. That's a spicy meatball. Paul, thoughts off top? Oh, this guy's a jackass. <laughs> I kind of think so, too. <laughs> this guy is, I mean, odd reference to bring in, but if anybody's seen the movie Winter Sleep, he's exactly that jackass from that movie who just uses, like, intellectualism to browbeat the people in his life while seemingly not having any sort of, like, actual understanding of what being, like, a good person is about. And he's also a lot like Johnny Knoxville from the movie Jackass. Mm, that's true. But elaborate, please. So I, I mean, I get what you're saying, but just explain it from the audience. Well, in the story's narrative arc, in the way that uh, his kind of transformation occurs, I, I think, um, what did you say earlier about browbeating because of intellectualism? It's it's like that. It's yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you think about it, because the bad grandpa is like, you know. That's a different movie. But you know, like the 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 prank, wherever they like use the uh, strongman thing to test your strength with a thing that shoots up, and they put a dildo on it, and the other person sits on top of it and has their butthole exposed. It's a little bit like that, metaphorically. Got you. Not from that movie, but you know, that's one of those classic pranks, like a whoopee cushion that we all know about. <laughs> one <laughs> of the things that just comes in a box. I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I get the concept. Um, yeah, no, I think this guy kind of sounds like a dick. Yeah, I right? think this guy is clearly mixing up collective versus systemic. I don't think climate change is going to be solved by everybody getting on board <laughs> and deciding not to take plane flights. I, I think it's going to happen from like actual systemic changes on how industry occurs. But who knows? Maybe uh, maybe he's right. Yeah, no, if we've learned anything from COVID, it's when tough times come a rolling, people start acting rationally. Mm, and in the best interest of their peers. <laughs> and in the best interest of their mm -hmm. peers. So he's right. When people see how bad climate change is, they're not they're they're gonna immediately start acting good and everything will be fine. When the going gets tough, we get going. You know what I mean? 
not just gonna be a bunch of assholes starting like massive like just exploding like small arms artillery devices in their backyard to practice for the apocalypse spewing a bunch of carbon into the atmosphere in the process that's not gonna be how people react i wanted to steal a joke from scott ackerman but i'm not going to (laughs) do it scott we've given you credit right here what i'm gonna do is because he's clearly a smart professor what he should do is he should buy property on the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, because when the sea levels rise, that's going to be beachfront property. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was looking at a map of if, uh, if like, you know, like where we'll be, where the water lines will be, like, you know, in a hundred years, if we go up only 1.5 mm. degrees or whatever. It was like a very specific temperature and timeline, but I did notice that Charlotte was on the beach, and I was like, ooh, maybe it will be so <laughs> bad. Okay, don't gotta drive to the beach no more. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That'll be pretty cool. Can you imagine? Is is that one of those things where like people in the Midwest are like actively pro-climate change because they finally want to stop being called flyover states and want to be the coastal elites. And so they're like, (laughs) once the water comes in far enough, all those coastal elites are gone and we're the coastal elites, baby. Oh, I thought the thing was if it went up high enough that the U.S. is kind of a bowl, so it just ends up being like a big river splitting the U.S. or like a big, uh, I guess, aisle or whatever the Red Sea is, a sea splitting the U.S. Mm. down the center. Like a butt crack for America? Yeah, yeah. We already have a dick in Florida. This is good. Yeah, this is good material. (laughs) (laughs) What what does that make Maine? The armpit? (laughs) Yeah. Anything else to say? I mean, he's such a dick. I don't even know what to say. Like, he has to learn to not be a dick. No, I think, yeah. Why is he flying? I think she should criticize him back and say you should be Greta Thunberging it. I love the part where he's like, well, it's not as justifiable as my climate change conferences. And it's like, are those justifiable if traveling yeah, isn't? One of my research concerns is climate change. Like, there are people I know who could technically say that, like, one of their research interests is in climate change, but they're not doing anything. <laughs> like, they're not actually doing anything useful in their research for it. Yeah, could you imagine if this guy was, like, just a guy, like, getting, like, historical soil samples or something? I'm fighting climate mm-hmm, change. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to know where we were in the past to know how we're going to stop it in the future. That's a good, that's a good ending sentence to an NSF rant. <laughs> uh, hit me up. That's a service I can provide. If you're one of Adrian's <laughs> friends and you need, uh, and you need good uh, hook sentences and uh, good final thoughts for your grant proposal. Especially given the... Um, so wait, when was this published? 2019 okay so this was a year before the pandemic because i feel like you know people hated it but it was a thing for a year that all conferences were virtual um and it turned and out seems just like it's fine like it's not like the ideas all fell to the floor useless <laughs> well that's the issue is like it didn't affect research dissemination it affected what people like going to conferences for which is like Cheating partying and wives. hanging out with people <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> And so I think there are a lot of people who are like, this just doesn't feel the same. I don't want to do this anymore. I have to sit down and actually just watch talks all day. <laughs> that's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, that's the obvious thing, right? His thing about, that's what, like, everybody knows all this stuff is bullshit and it could all be done remotely. He clearly is going for the, like, ego aspect and the, like, fun aspect. Mm-hmm. And that's why mm-hmm. it seemed so 
blatantly like, shut up, dude, come on. To deprive his wife of that, yeah. yeah. I remember hearing a thing a long time ago, like back in high school, where um, it was a kind of like, put your head in the sand for climate change, where the idea was for a certain amount of money every year, you could try and offset your carbon footprint by donating to like wind farmers somewhere in America. I like that how his version of that is like, I'm going to make sure my wife doesn't do anything <laughs> cool. <laughs> That's how I want to make sure that my carbon footprint evens out. Yeah, there's like that business version of it where you can buy, like, if you're... A, Externalities, yeah, yeah you're carbon like credits. carbon tax credits. Yeah, yeah. and you can uh, sell them if you're not using all of them. Th- that is a logical conclusion to, like, the American psyche for how they're going to deal with it. Like, you're just going to find, like, mm-hmm. one person in the hauler who never takes a plane ride and be like, it's okay, I've made them sign a contract that says they'll never fly. So I can still take my plane tickets to visit Thailand on my spiritual white person escape journey or whatever. Mm, It all evens out. But you want to read the answer? No, you can read the answer. Are you ready for me to read the answer, Adrian? Dear hypocrite, air travel in its current form does make a huge contribution to climate change, accounting for as much as 5%. And while emissions in other sectors are decreasing, The aviation industry has resisted change, and governments struggle to regulate it. You are right. Policy solutions are needed. Senator Ed Markey and Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's New Deal recommends expanding high-speed rail. Who calls her all of those instead of AOC? Expanded high-speed rail, so dramatic. Also, again, he did not say policy solutions are needed. He said collective action. His was a very much like a consumerist, like if everyone decides to, it was your thing you were saying earlier, which I think, I think that's second to actual policy changes. I think Eliza's being generous here. Okay. Okay. Expanding high-speed rail so dramatically that air travel within the U.S. becomes unnecessary. We also need to tax rich people enough so they can't afford to fly so often, whether in first class or in private jets. Yet we should- Well, that's stupid. Because if you tax them, then no one's going to want to be a billionaire anymore. And who's going to make the jobs? Holy shit. Should I rethink this whole being a leftist Am I right? thing? I never thought right? about that. Huh. That's a smart point. That's Thank you. Yet we should change our behavior too. Policy changes like plastic bag bans or municipal compost programs come about in part because people change their habits, or try to, and then demand larger scale reforms to make it easier. If we fly less, our own carbon footprint is lower. If more people do this, we all feel social pressure and industry and government might have to take action. That being said, hypocrite, I'll quarrel with your priorities. Work need not take precedence over romance and leisure. Seeing this stunning world with your wife expanding your horizons and enjoying each other's company on vacations more important than most academic conferences. The trend of academics foregoing meetings that require air travel is a good one. Many businesses have been switching to video conferencing, also for climate reasons. Every so often, there might be a conference so world-changing and your participation in it so crucial that the flight is worth it, but most professional events aren't like that. By contrast, vacationing with your wife will bring joy to you both, even if you've traveled enough- Ah, she hasn't met his wife if she thinks that. Even if you've Mm. both traveled enough, it's not fair to deprive her of this pleasure. If she wants to travel, insisting on giving up aviation altogether could cause tension. It's never good to impose one's own moral crusade on a reluctant partner. You'd be right to favor alternatives. Don't fly domestically when you don't have to, and travel a lot within the U.S. if that's where you live. Also, our rail system isn't as good as those in Europe or Asia. Train travel is still more relaxed than flying and allows you to see more of the landscape. When it's time to buy a new car, get a hybrid or an electric one and take road trips. 
Another idea is EcoShift, probably the world's first sustainable cruise ship, which will offer educational, socially engaged trips beginning in 2020. But do fly now and then. Most environmentalists suggest taking an international flight just once a year and making the most of it. Oh, is that? Damn, so I've got a lot, like, saved up. I didn't know that, like, that was, uh, that was calculated into, uh... I think I've taken two international, three international trips in my whole life, so I have 23 <laughs> that I can use this, this year <laughs> to catch up on. <laughs> uh, if this is what we're quarreling over, if that's a recommendation, then the only person that should take issue with that is, like, very few people in this world. <laughs> Stay at least two weeks. Calculate the carbon footprint of a given trip. There are online calculators to help and plan other changes to balance it out. Choose more efficient airlines. The International Council on Cre- the International Council on Clean Transportation ranks them. If you go to Europe, take trains or rent electric cars to travel within the continent. European infrastructure makes this easy. Bon voyage. That was a good answer. It was. It was. It was a mouthful. I'm sorry to the audience for anything I stuttered over or mispronounced uh i can't read that hey paul you don't ever have to apologize for that bro you're right and plus our audience is not good enough to deserve an apology also liza one of the few question answerers to link i guess one of we've had a couple yeah yeah but she's one of those linkers she's one of those like she backs up her sources which is uh always cool we're not gonna check them out i'm just gonna believe her but um she does do it uh that was much smarter and much better written than what i would have come up with uh drunk on this podcast yeah so it sounds like she sense. knows what she's talking about we had two good answers this time i will say oh yeah i guess she's quarreling with my idea of she's saying that like it starts with individual habits that then puts pressure on public policy i i, I don't know i don't take issue with that it's d- don't lose sight of the actual goal which is to help the mm-hmm. environment and understand that like in our world you're never going to convince enough people to change their habits when the other option is cheaper. It's just like how our economy works. If the other option is cheaper, you have to make a systematic change to what's available in the markets to actually change the outcome. Also, her paragraph on uh, priorities and traveling for work versus traveling for leisure being, uh, he's prioritizing those in two different ways that I think Liza's totally right about. I think she's very smart about that. Mm-hmm. I think her assumption that bringing that vacationing with uh his wife will bring joy to both of them because to be honest i can't see how she would enjoy a trip with this guy but (laughs) i guess she's married to him so i guess theoretically they like each other but no yeah i thought that was very insightful i think she did a really good job with this one yeah two uh two great answers from two great columnists this week uh let's give a shot and dude we got so many international trips to catch up on yeah i I love that part of it too (laughs) that was a little funny i is that really what people are arguing about when it comes to reducing plane travel? Like, I'm, Greta doesn't say that, right? She says, cut it down to zero. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because if that was what the recommendation was, I imagine, unless you're wealthy, most people don't- Wait, there's no way Greta's position is to take it down to zero. Like, there's, like, part, like, you know, cargo still needs to be moved. You might as well put some people on there. Or like, okay. Uh, yeah. But my point being that, like, is this what the argument about air travel is? Because if that's the like official like environmentalists recommendation, that seems like unless you're very wealthy, you'd be hitting that mark of only one per year. You get one cheat two weeks per year. <laughs> you get to internationally travel, as we all get to. Right? Um, that seems so reasonable. That seems like who would get who would do more than that otherwise? Like, yeah, I don't know anything else, Paul. That's about it. 
Do you want to move into our third segment? Third seggy on the reggie, baby. Hey, you stole that from me. Mm, as I did everything that I've learned. Okay, so our third segment today, Adrian, it's called Justify That, which is I've brought in a list of common products or activities that me and you would potentially engage in or use and what their carbon footprint is in CO2 per kilogram per activity or unit of product bought. What what a unit. I like that. Okay. I mean, for each one, I'll mention what the units are. But basically, it's going to be, is this something you could do without? How do you feel about the number I gave? Justify whether you you feel comfortable with that number, whether it's something you would want to give up, and if it's something you will give up. And if you can't justify that, Adrian, I'm going to call on you to make a pledge right here, right now on this podcast for our audience. To donate 50 cents every time I do it? To give it up. To reduce your carbon footprint with that activity or product. Oh boy. Okay. All right. Let's see it. Okay. So I will mention, you know, just like rules and regulation of this list. Things that didn't make the list include things like commercial buildings, because even though me and you might work in those, we don't really have like a lot of control over like mm-hmm. the lighting that's used on a commercial building. I, or... I tried to build my own hut for research, but it didn't work exactly. out. Uh, electricity seemed a little too generic to include. Yeah, what am I, static shock? <laughs> I only mentioned CO2 numbers, but of course there's other greenhouse gases such as met- methane, nitrous oxide, hydrofluorocarbons, Ooh, perfluorocarbons, so, sulfur, hexafluoride, nitrogen, trifluoride. If methane isn't that what you're using, then beef must be pretty low, right? Because that's the main uh, greenhouse gas produced by uh, cow production. We'll right? see when we get there. Let's not... Uh... Okay, all right. And then obviously there's, a, you know, things... Pollution? Different terms of, types of pollution. There's things to do with water usage that can... Re- like a lot of like... Uh, Almond farming? Yeah, stuff like that. Um, specifically, yeah. I'll give a bit of a spoiler. I Paul, don't take my almonds. I brought in avocados, which as far as CO2 goes, aren't so bad. But I think water usage can be. Um, mm. And uh, these numbers were pulled from a bunch of different lists. So I can't say there was like one one process or one sort of like a method for calculating the CO2 for each one of these. So if you're somebody who knows a lot about this stuff, uh, I'm sorry, it might not be perfect numbers. Um, some of these, you know, I don't know if like some methods for calculating CO2 footprints, uh, you know, like include different parts of the like of the food chain of the product from birth to recycling Mm -hmm. so the first one is one we've already discussed a bit during this episode adrian so in the united states an average person emits about 386 kilograms of co2 each year from flights from internal flights how many kilograms 386 kilograms damn that's a lot yep but paul if I wasn't on the plane, someone else would take the spot. That's true. So you you should take that spot. You're not willing to give it up. Or justify they that would fly agent. with less. Justify that. Or they would fly. They would fly with less people, and that means there's less people per plane ride, which means that the carbon footprint's even bigger per capita. Would I give up flying? Mm-hmm. Is that your justify that? Justify it. Uh, I have a finite period of time to experience this world that we live in, and. Uh, I don't see the world getting better at any point, so I'm only going to live for another 60 years or so. Might as well see what's going on here, and uh, I'm not going to feel bad about that. Cool, cool, cool. I think I will also... If I want to go see how cool Oklahoma City is, I'll go goddamn see how cool Oklahoma City is. Okay. 
A typical passenger vehicle emits about 12 kilograms of carbon dioxide per day. Justify that, Adrian. Should you keep driving? You know, I've thought a lot about that. Not in terms of like, should I drive in general, but in terms of how often I don't, uh, I drive alone is quite often, which is probably bad. But, uh, you know, this, this one's on, this one's on public transport. This one's on the Koch brothers. This one's on how am I going to, in a timely manner, figure out at my own leisure, whenever I finish work, whether or not I can get to Sacramento on time with using the train or the buses you know what i mean Mm -hmm. they come once an hour yeah i think also uh, you know what actually because of covid and the fact that now i work from home and i don't think that that necessarily has to change in the foreseeable future yeah i've basically cut driving out of my life and before that i used to take the train to work daily so other than uh driving for you literally called me while you were driving earlier today or yesterday (laughs) Uh, yeah, you're right, groceries. But I, I, I don't think I'm hitting the same mark that people who commute do. Because I get groceries mm-hmm. a couple times a week, not daily. Well, also, my commute is uh, two stops on the interstate. It's like a nice six-minute commute. Got you. But I do do the occasional, like, once a week driving up to Sacramento. Or, like, the every couple of months driving to San Francisco by myself, which probably not That good. was what I was going to say. Every couple of weeks I visit my parents, which is, like, a mm-hmm. long drive. But other than that, I think I only drive intermittently i'm not like a commuter the carbon footprint of a small package that travels 500 miles and weighs about one pound can be somewhere from 0.59 kilograms to if it's air shipped about one kilogram of co2 21 packages is the average for a u.s citizen 70 is the average for a chinese citizen 21 per year that sounds about right I think I maybe get a little bit less than that, especially at that weight, because I think there's a lot of things where like small electronics, I will sometimes just get delivered. And those are like, you know, those are like a couple feathers. Adrian, the segment isn't is that accurate to you? It's justify that. Justify it. It was Prime Day. (laughs) That is true. They got great deals. We did. We did buy an air fryer on Prime Day. I got an air purifier. (laughs) You're frying your air. I'm purifying my air. <laughs> justify that, Paul. <laughs> um, this one I can't justify. I probably order way more online than I should. I should. Yeah. I should probably cut that down personally. I I won't I think justify. I've been it. I'll, to... I'll, I'll I'll write here right now. I'll make a commitment to the audience. I will no longer buy T-shirts on Amazon and just have them shipped to my house. I'll go to a store and buy T-shirts. Are we canceling our Amazon our Amazon Prime subscriptions? Well, no. I mean, they have. Have you not seen Invincible? That's a good show, man. <laughs> I've heard it's good. <laughs> well, I'm not going to see what happens to the marvelous Miss Basil. What if she's not marvelous next season? Damn, I'm not going to be able to watch Bored to Death anymore because <laughs> it's the only place that houses that. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I don't know. Also, and I know this is probably the worst way to justify that in terms of the way this game is played. You have to realize that about me, if I go to Target and buy a new type of body wash that's like an exciting thing for me to like take out of a bag and put into my bathroom so imagine my delight when i get a package <laughs> like it's it's it honestly brings so much dope i wouldn't take that brain. from you adrian i don't want you to thank you i'm expecting a shipment of tea to come to my house at some point and i'm gonna be so excited when i get that <laughs> that's cute that's cute okay you don't have to justify that one 
Talking about watching Bored to Death on uh, Amazon Prime, the carbon footprint of viewing one hour of video on demand streaming is approximately 55 grams. So in comparison, that would switching that to like the kilograms we were using earlier, the small package that travels to your house on ground was 50.59 kilograms. So this is 55 grams. So that would be about one tenth of a small package for every hour of streaming. Well, I'm glad Netflix asks if you're still watching. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I'm glad they added that. And I will say this reminds me of an episode of a podcast that I listened to, the QI podcast, where they were talking about how much of a carbon footprint spam email has. Because technically sending an email has like a not, 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 not one carbon footprint. Mm. But because spam is so plentiful that like it actually has a, a, you know, recognizable carbon footprint. You always forget about these small things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this is another one where I could almost, I wouldn't live a fully fulfilled life without air travel anymore and being able to see the world in the way that I would want to. I would not be able to like live day to day without like having the ability to like stream something every now and then just to, uh, just to have some yucks and to get me through this, this thing we called life. Oh, uh, really? I think I would be a much more interesting person if I didn't ever stream any like video. No, I think I, I think I need it. I think I need I think I need that time of my day. Oh, I think it's an unhealthy addiction to media. Well, Paul, just like get off Pornhub, Pornhub for like one goddamn second. <laughs> but yeah, I will say that I will not make that. Uh, I will not make that promise to the audience. I think I'm going to continue watching Netflix, y'all. I'm sorry. I can't. If it makes you feel better, Paul. At least we're not the kind of people who literally brag about how they have the office on 24-7 in the background. <laughs> stop doing that. You people stop doing that, and then you can even us out. Like, we'll be fine for watching an hour of television a day. <laughs> uh, for every kilogram of beef, you produce 27 kilos of CO2. So 27 kilograms. The average burger is 0.2 kilograms. So... That would make that about a fifth of a of a of the kilogram of beef. So that would mean five burgers are about twenty seven uh, kilograms of CO two. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Justify that, Adrian. Um, you know, Impossible Beef. It's it's, it's okay. And honestly, I don't cook with beef a lot. To be honest, uh, I get it when I go out to places, and then my roommate likes making steak. But I can't think of the last time I actually cooked with beef. In any capacity. Uh, a kilo of pork is 12 uh, kilograms of CO2, and a kilo of chicken is 7 uh, kilograms of CO2. No, that's a different story. <laughs> I made some chicken curry last night. Um, Justify that, Adrian. Was that chicken curry good enough for your children to die in a blazing fire that is the earth in 30 years? It honestly wasn't. I kind of messed it up. So... <laughs> I overcooked the veggies and then I added too much coconut milk and the consistency at the end was too watery or too uh, liquidy. Um, so yeah, that wasn't worth it. Uh, I will give up making bad curries uh, from now on. That I pledge. So for this next one, I'm going to have to thank the International Journal of Life Cycle Assessment. Also, thank you for making uh, your articles free. Not enough journals do that. Often I have to, uh, I have to get Adrian. Well, it's 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 more article to article than journal. Oh, okay. Although some journals are only open access. Well, thank you to these authors, then. Thank you to my Yeek Yeah, they probably paid like $2,000, yeah. So this article is a condom's footprint, life cycle assessment of natural rubber condoms. Mm. I'm just going to read you a little excerpt from this paper, Adrian. 
Carbon bound in fresh latex has also been included in the data set. The uptake exceeds the emitted mass of CO2 equivalents due to other activities by a factor of 2.19, which is why the impact for climate change is negative. Oh, nice. So, Adrian, justify that. Why aren't you fucking more? Wait, the justification is that I should be using more rubber condoms? Yes. Fuck, okay, yeah, I had a I had a partner before who uh, was irritated by rubber condoms, so I had to use, like, the natural ones. Oh, Are those Jesus good too, Christ, or? no, because the CO2 isn't captured by non-latex condoms. Well, shit. <laughs> I'm fucking the world in two ways, baby. Oh, my God, Adrian. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm, yeah, I bought, like, the, like, expensive, like, natural ones, so I don't know what to say, man, I'm sorry. Well, are you gonna make a commitment right here, right now, to the audience? To have more sex with more condoms. Yeah, of course, because especially because like, you know, the magnums only come like that size is only in like rubber. And like, so <laughs> that's probably what I need to do from now on, because the other one's really tight. That makes sense. One load of laundry, depending on detergent, is about 0.8 kilograms of CO2 emitted. Justify that, Adrian. I don't wash my clothes. So no need to justify. Same. Uh, yeah. And then for clothes. For clothes, Patagonia jacket is about 30 kilograms of CO2, and Timbaland boots can be anywhere from 10 to 100 kilograms if you're getting a leather Timbaland boot. Justify that, Adrian. I know you're always wearing Patagonia and Timbalands. I'm going to say, what are you shopping at, like, <laughs> Belks? <laughs> I, 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 this was more generically clothing, and these were the examples I could find. I think it changes a lot from, like, product to product. I'm sure this is in the range of some things you've purchased. I mean, my shoes that I usually wear day to day are made by uh, Nike, so it's more about the child labor than the carbon footprint. Um, and then the jackets and shirts I wear are usually from like small producers. So how do I justify that? Okay, I'm going to justify that by in this way. If day to day, everyone on the street had to witness my body without any clothing over it, I think that would do more harm in this world than me wearing a shirt and some pants and some shoes to get around. I think your body is beautiful. Don't put yourself down like that. I think it would traumatize every single person. <laughs> it would be like in Indiana Jones where the guy sees the thing and his face melts <laughs> off. It would be like that every single time. It would be like in Indiana Jones where the monkey's a Nazi. Wait, I'm confused. What were we talking about? <laughs> uh, anytime where I'm naked and I do like a little bend over or like one of the uh, from the Seinfeld episode, one of the unflattering uh, poses to do as a as a naked person. Uh, whenever someone gets a good look right into my b-hole, that's when their face is going to melt off. And I think that's going to make the world a worse place. All right. And so I should cover that up. Adrian, finally, we have a six pack of new Belgium beer. Oh, I haven't gotten that in a long time. It's three kilograms of carbon dioxide. How many packages is that? That's one package, two packages? It's a six pack. What do you mean? Relative to the package being delivered 500 miles. Oh, yeah. Uh, Which is also a lot of miles. I think there's an Amazon distribution center way closer to me than 500 miles. Uh, well, I mean, that's the whole life of the package getting to you. I might have to get delivered to that Amazon center, too. What is this, a movie about an Indian dude in a boat with a tiger? The life of package? You know they don't build the shit in the warehouse, right? I don't understand. So then who... Then where is the value at? <laughs> where is the... <laughs> okay, so the package was... Uh, 0.6 kilograms so that would be mm. about six six packs 
Or no, I mean, six packages would be about one six pack. So don't drink the one six pack and you could get six more packages delivered to you a year. I was about to say, I, I think that my package thing is now negligible because I buy way more six packs <laughs> of beer than I do packages that add up to that much beer. That's uh, insane. Um, should I be getting growlers or crowlers or what, what's the move? No, you want to know where the real solution is? Probably Water. artisanal beers uh, mm. because those aren't refrigerated in stores. They found that the the refrigeration in the store was actually their most like surprising add to the carbon especially inefficient open uh open air refrigerations that don't have the doors on them (sighs) shout out to trader joe's man a couple of them have made the switch to closed doors but they still really like that aesthetic of the open uh, freezer section which is terrible yep um yeah no so i only buy bottle aged um like you know beer that's treated like wine really it's basically shelf stable so your beer might be might have a significantly lower carbon footprint so adrian i think you have successfully justified that thank you what's my score um the uh, oh boy you lost really bad i think here i just did the numbers or is it that we all lose mother gaia is the real loser for this one (laughs) all right big fact no cap get out of here yeah let's do that big fact don't be too hard on yourself, but especially don't be too hard on your wife about something that you yourself do. That kind of makes you a shitty person. And my no cap is if you buy something as a gift and like part of the like thing is that they send money to a charity, know that it's always going to be less than if you just gave directly to the charity. And I know that's like the most boring gift you can give somebody is like, hey, I thought of you, so I donated $25 to the Trevor Project. Actually, that's kind of a bad look, right? Because that just makes it look like you're saying, like, uh, you seem like a gay who's going to commit suicide. What's what's the look there? <laughs> uh, you know uh, what? I don't know what I'm saying. I, oh, yeah, d- 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 I think what we're saying just, is it gets better. It gets better. Give directly. Don't, like, buy a gas station stupid-ass pride tank top. Just Just give directly and tell them you're thinking about someone. For the kids in school who are struggling with being Lebanese and Guatemalan, letting them know that it gets better. That is what the LG in uh, LGBT stands for, right? Lebanese, Guatemalan. Uh, Paul, see you next week. Yeah. Bye, buddy. Keep it classy.